Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Justin Alford of Benny's Car Wash. We're going to learn about the automated industry and how it's changed over time, yet somehow maybe even remain the same. And then some surprises along the way, some lessons learned, and just all good things Baton Rouge. But before we get to that, I want to give a wonderful shout out to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. Government Taco, Falaya Real Estate, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial, Currency Bank, and Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. Without further ado, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, reaching out and getting all this connected. I'm glad to have you and learn a little bit more about that favorite car wash spot of everybody's. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. So for those that aren't aware, who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm Justin Alford, and uh, our, my family has been running and owning the Benny's Car Washes in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We've been in business since 1951. So we wash cars, we change oil, we have uh, three Be Quick gas stations, so we sell gas, we sell coffee, fountain drinks, and a little bit of everything in between. So we see a lot of the public faces in Baton Rouge. We see a lot of people every day and uh, love being here. And we have a staff of about 400 um, team members and, and enjoy working with every one of them every day. So. so 400 team members across how many locations? We have nine locations right now. So we have three gas stations, we have six oil changes, and we have nine car washes. Okay. So we, uh, and we, we run them all separately so that uh, we treat each one as its own and stand on its own, and we, we treat each one separately. So that's how we manage them. So the, the employees can't cross work at some or the other locations? They're totally like, are the entities separate or is it just separately? The, the entities are separate. Now, yeah. like the car washes stay separate, the Be Quick stays separate, and then all changes do. So, but they will move between locations if we need them. But we, we try to treat them separate. We wear different hats, as my dad always says. And we go to the <laughs> Be Quicks, the, the gas stations, we put on a different hat and go to the car wash to wear a different one. Same with the oil changes. So we try to, try to manage each one with the same... Um, passion and the same uh, level of care that we, we can and, and try to make each one as best as we can possibly do. I love that. I and mean, each one has its own different elements to it. So they, I mean, running them differently makes a lot of sense. They do. They do. So how did y'all get started with this? Well, my grandfather started in 1951 and um, I, I think it's a fantastic story. He, he was actually born in Dallas, Texas, and he was a traveling locksmith. So back at that time, back in the twenties and thirties, and he traveled the whole country uh, making keys. He'd pull into a small town and they would need a few keys made or a door unlocked. And he used to tell me the story when you'd pull in on a Saturday afternoon in a little bitty town like uh, the Funiac Springs where he met my grandmother, everybody would come run to the, to the key truck, the lock truck, and they'd have four or five locks and say, hey, can you unlock this one or can you come to my house and unlock a safe? So that's what he did for a living. And he had a twin brother and he had another brother and uh, they went around the country making keys. And he met my grandmother in the Funiac Springs, Florida. And he actually settled in Panama City, Florida, and opened a, a lock shop in Panama City. And a guy across the street built a car wash. And they became really good friends. So every time um, he would wash a car, my grandfather would throw a key in the bucket. And at the end of the day, he would count his keys in the bucket, and he knew, hey, guy's washing a few cars. So since they were good friends, um, he said, well, I'm going to go to Pensacola and open a car wash. And that was in 1951. And he had a partner, and they opened a car wash in 51. Now, the first automatic car wash started in 1946. It was on the cover of Life magazine. I think it was in 1946, the September issue of Life magazine. It was in Detroit, Michigan. And I've been to this car wash before it closed. It was on Fort Street in downtown Detroit, and it was called Minuteman Car Wash Equipment. A gentleman named Rousseau made this equipment, and it made Life magazine. And, boy, what a business it was. You know, it was right after the war and people had plenty of money and people coming back from the war and they were washing cars and Detroit, Michigan is where it's all started. So my grandfather knew that and he loaded up his car and drove to Detroit, Michigan in a station wagon. And he said, well, I'm going to figure this out. So he went and saw the guy at that car wash and he went and said, well, where'd you get the equipment from? Where'd you get the supplies? He said, well, come on over and I'll help you. And at that time there probably wasn't, but maybe two dozen car washes in the whole country. So he drove back to Pensacola, Florida and him and his partner built a location. But he had a twin brother, as I spoke of, who was a locksmith, and his other younger brother had settled in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They said, we had standard oil here, and they said uh, they built a sh their first shop. It was all for safe and lock. It's still here today on Main Street at the time, and they opened a lock shop, and he missed his family, and, and his mother was living here, and he said, you know what? I'm going to lease my car wash in Pensacola. I'm going to move to Baton Rouge, and he opened his first car wash in Baton Rouge in 1953. 
So we've been around the industry a long time, and he built that car wash in 53, and it was on Florida Street. And we ran that same car wash up until 1995 for many, many years. And uh, from there, he just kind of expanded. And then my dad came on board. He was the second generation. And then I joined the comp- company in 1989, right after, right after high school. And then uh, my brother's here. So we're, we're third generations washing cars here. And I have two kids. And, and I, have two niece, I have a niece and nephew. Maybe they'll be the fourth generation. So our roots are here in Baton Rouge. We've been here since the early 50s. And um, we want to make this place a better, better, better city for everybody. That, that's our ultimate goal. Absolutely. So y'all are the Alford Safe and Lock? Uh, my cousin is. My dad's uh, first cousin, uh, Gary Alford. He just passed away recently, so his wife right now runs it. But they um, that was a connection. They started the lock they started a lock shop here and like I said, my, my grandfather was living in Florida and got real homesick and wanted to be around his family and said, I'm coming to Baton Rouge and he's he opened the first uh, automatic car wash in Baton Rouge and we've been here ever since. So yeah, we'd had a connection to them as well. Very cool. So is the, the Florida car wash still open? It's not. We closed that in 1995. <clears throat> um, we had one on Florida Street. And we had one on Plank Road. Many people remember the one on Plank Road in, in Mohican and Prescott in that area. We had that one. We closed that one, I think, in uh, the mid-'80s. And we closed the one on Florida Street in 1995. And we built one on, on Airline Highway back then. And my grandfather, he was a simple guy in a lot of ways. He, he named the car washes after the street. It was called the Florida Street Car Wash. Then he had the Plank Road car wash. And then we went to build the one on Airline in uh, 1991. We opened in 92. There was already another car wash called the Airline Car Wash. So my dad said, well, we got to come up with another name. So um, <laughs> my grandmother always called him Benny. That's his name. So we, we changed the name to Benny's. And then um, we've kept the name ever since. And we've been, been building the brand and expanding. And that's what we have. So now we, we still have the nine locations now. with some more, more plan to go from the next couple of years. Okay, I mean, in nine locations, that's that's quite a few. It is, it is, and um, it is, and we like you said, we um, our ambitions to to do things right, and like I said, we're going through a massive remodel on on them. We've changed our image and our logo and color several times. Uh, when we we used to be, like I said, we used to be the Florida Street Car Wash and Plank Road Car Wash, and then we built Airline in '92. We opened right before Hurricane Andrew. I remember it very well in August, and um, when we built it. The only color the canopies came in was burgundy. Okay. Was, it came in burgundy and white, actually. We said, dang, that's our two choices. So we hired an image, a logo person, and drew us a nice logo, and the burgundy was our color. Well, we, we, we rode that color up until about 19, let's well, see, 2017, we were building the location on Segan, which we opened. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me take that back. It was 2016. We opened a location 2016 on Segan. On Segan? It's been since 2016? 2016. is hard to believe. <laughs> I've been to that car wash <laughs> quite a many a time. It was the flood. <laughs> Remember the year of the flood? It seems like oh. every time we open a new location, a catastrophic <laughs> rain event happens or something. Hurricane Andrew for that one, and then Segan was 2016, and... We said, you know, we've been we've been using the colors, the burgundies and, and the and that color for a long time. We said, Let, let's go back to our image guy. We hired our image guy. He came back and said, let's go with a new look. And he came up with the green and the white and the gray. And uh, we changed our colors, changed our logos, changed our look. And um, now we're going back and rebranding all our other locations, which okay. is an expensive process. We're doing the one on Airline right now, and we're working on the one in Denim as well. But uh, hopefully by the end of this year, first of next year, first couple, first quarter, We'll have all our car washes with the same look, the same image, the same signs, and and uh, be ready to go forward with some new locations. Because yeah, I noticed the as they started as you started popping them newer ones up since 2016, the one on Segan, they were a lot brighter. They are. They they had a lot more of an attraction, more of a curb appeal that kind of drew you in to figure out what this is. And like the green, it almost looks like it's it's new every time. It is, and, and, th- and thank you for that. And that was kind of the object behind it, and and. Um, we, we, there's guys a lot smarter than me with colors and images, and we had a, an expert guy we hired to do that, and he drove up and down the streets of Baton Rouge and took pictures of different colors. You know, red was a very prominent color. You had uh, Walgreens and a few other companies. Red is a real prominent com- color around Baton Rouge. I'm raising Canes as red and a few others. And, and it came down to green and orange. And we said, well, let's, let's look at the green, and green has an environmental look, which we are very safe for the environment. We're very safe for – we use um, – very good to wash your car, a professional car, any professional car wash is much better than washing at home. So we stayed with the green theme, and we, we kept it, and we're, we, we, we're glad we did, and simplified our colors and our logos, and um, we're real happy we are. Now we're just fixing the old locations to match the new ones, and 
That's uh, it's all. Sometimes it's more difficult to build a, to remodel an old one than it is a new one. But <laughs> we're in that now. We're almost done with. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We'll be real happy when that's that that process is done. Yeah, renovations can often be a whole lot more challenging <laughs> they than can. new construction. They can. And anybody who's renovated an old house and uh, knows that you don't know what you find, you start digging in, and then 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 things pop up, and like, oh boy, we got to find a way around that, and, and that's what we did, and. Um, so no, we're we're happy. We're very pleased, and we're excited to keep keep moving forward. So, what was it like growing up in a family business? And that, that's a great question. And um, you know, the family business is is I, I, when I think of the United States of America, I think of family businesses. You know, growing up, I think of of businesses throughout Baton Rouge that you know you you, you knew the owner. You go in there and you saw the owner working. You saw the kids in there at the table. If they, a lot of times they would do their homework at, at at the business and they would help out in. And you really learn so much. And like when my dad would come home, we, we, we talk business around the table. We still do. Uh, when he would go to the, the meetings at the car wash conventions, you know, he brought us with him. Um, he brought us there on Saturdays or on Sundays. And, and, and we got to see him ride through the highs and lows when it was raining. We felt uh, the worry that he had. He said, boy, we've been three weeks, four weeks of rain here and there's no cars coming through. And we saw the pressure he went through. And um, I think that's so hard that, 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 um, I think it's so important, and uh, you said you had a degree in entrepreneurship as well. And those are the things, some of the things they don't teach you in school. What do you do in certain situations? And um, there was a, a lady called me today. It's so funny you say that, that, you know, her her husband worked for us for many years, and he passed away a couple of years ago, and, and she said she was a little short on her water bill, and, you know, I, I gave her the money. And, um, you know, that's the things they don't maybe teach you in school, but for me... Um, a lot of great memories of this man, and um, if I can help somebody out on a day-to-day basis, that that's what we're all about. So, um, growing up in the in the family business, I wouldn't trade it. And the, the education I got watching my dad go to work every day and come home and talk about business, and and um, we we grew up counting coins, we grew up counting dollars, and and uh, I'm amazed now how many kids don't understand how to run a register. And I always thought if I ever became a school teacher, that's something that I would. Um, I would teach in whatever class I did, hey, get a cash register out here and let's open it and learn what an opening till is, a closing till, and a deposit, a payout, and how do you tender an item. All those things are such, I think, valuable skills that are lost, and it's so nice to see. So um, I enjoyed growing up around it, and I still do that with our children today and uh, still pass that stuff on. And, and, and even today, we go to lunch every day, my dad and I, and, and we talk about the car washes and the business from the time we get there to the time we go to bed at night. So it's important lessons, I think. And I'm very, very thrilled to grow up in that aspect of it. Yeah, and family businesses give you that look into the behind the scenes of how the business is run. And you're kind of taught those lessons outside of the school books, you know, like exactly like you said. They're not going to have exactly what do you do in ABC situation when in reality you have to come up with a decision of A, B, and C, and there's no right or wrong. It's just the one that you make, you know. It, it is, and um, I, I tell you that there's probably decisions over the year that maybe I, maybe I called it wrong, maybe I got some of them right. And in, 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 at the end of the day, it's um, you, you can look at the financial statements and that means something. But uh, when I go to bed and I want to say, you know, maybe we made Baton Rouge a little bit better place today, whether it's a staff member or a customer or a former employee, like we just talked about here. And uh, that, that's what we're out. Now, we, we tell our people all the time, try to do the right thing. I know a lot of people say those words, but uh, we try to live it. That's, that's, what we try, that's what we're about. We want to make this place better at the end of the day. Yeah, just one, one car wash at a time. One car wash, <laughs> one uh, Coca-Cola or one uh, fountain drink or coffee, whatever it is, we're going to try to make it better. So did you start working in the car wash at a very young age or? I did in a lot of ways. Um, I guess officially I started in 1989. Like I said, I graduated uh, from Catholic High here in Baton Rouge. And uh, my dad never made us go to work. And um, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go to work with you today. And he said, come on. But before then, we were always around it. Like I said, when we even to this day, when we go out to eat at night, you know, we're going to drive in front of a location. We're going to stop. We're going to check on it. We're going to ride through. We're going to go through with our own cars. Um, we're going to say hi to the employees. We're going to say of the customers and that's what we did growing up the same way everywhere we went out somewhere if we went on a vacation we drove by another car wash to visit them and one thing about car washing I have friends all over the world we have a strong uh, association uh, international car wash association and I'm a strong member I'm a we've been a member of it for many many years and 
So we have friends all over the world. I mean, I have friends in Germany and everywhere we go, if it's a vacation, um, we're going to go visit a car wash over there. So we have a real close network and he brought us along the whole way with that. So I can truly say I have friends just about in every city in this country and many uh, countries across the world. Um, we had a group from um, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania a few weeks ago came to town to visit our locations. And uh, very interesting. They brought their daughter with them, a, a young high school girl, and she got to talk to my daughter. And it's kind of interesting. You know, we, we got a connection now. If we ever go to that part of Europe, I'm going to look her up and visit her and see how they live and see how they run their businesses. And um, so it's a big network that we really enjoy being part of. And so you said your dad didn't make y'all ever go to work for the business. Growing up, I mean, how much of an impact did that have, seeing the joy it brought him, running the business and talking shop? I mean, was that just this natural pull that you had where you said, I'm going to go work with you today? It, it was. And um, I, I guess I kind of grew up, I, I played music a lot. I, I was I, I played in the LSU Tiger Marching Band and, and played in a lot of bands around town. So I, I, I was working, playing music at night a little bit. Um, I was big into computers and tried to learn to fly airplanes, thought I was going to be a pilot, thought I was going to be doing all, all kinds of things at one time. But you, you said it, you know, um, I'm so blessed to be able to go to work with my dad every day and um, to, to be able to, to, to see him and work with him every day and learn so much knowledge and, and the staff that he had at the time. And it just, that, I, that really drew, drew me to it. Also, the, um, the technology part of it was interesting and you know, in 1989, it was it was technically advanced, but now it's even more. You know, we have basically computers running the car washes, and and um, we have photo eyes that measure the length of the car. We have switches that tell you how far the tires are apart, how high the car is. So it's gotten really technically advanced, and, and I do tend to lean towards technology. So that attracted me to it as well. And um, But it, it's the people, and to be able to work with my dad every day that, you know, I treasure that even to this day, and, and, and I feel so blessed to be able to do that. And I looked at people in the other corporate world, and, and you know, they, um, they, they this I think this is definitely the right decision for me, and I've enjoyed it and, and still enjoy it and hope i got many years left to come with it. Yeah, so on the technology side of things, how have you all seen that shift over the last, what, I mean, 50, 70, 70 years 70, now? 70 years. Yeah. 71 years now, yeah. It, shift, it shifted a lot. Like when my grandfather started, it was a lot of manual work. I mean, they had people actually hand-washing the cars. So they, they had a conveyor belt, which we still use today, and they had pull chains, and you actually hooked a chain to the bumper, and it pulled the car through. And inside the, the car wash, you did have some equipment, and it sprayed soap on the cars. But you had a lot of manual work. You had people with steam guns. Back in the day, you remember you had white wall tires that were four inches wide. Right. And big white wall tires. And you had guys in these pits down low with these steam guns steaming the white wall tires, snow white again. And you had people with mitts that would mitt the cars, wipe them down and, and clean them and stuff. And a lot more manual manual, manual part of it. Now, you still had uh, machines and motors and electronics and stuff like that, too. But... Now, and then after that, which we stayed that way for a long time, we had in the 70s, they had brushes come out, and then we went what's called brushless. That was a big thing in the early 80s. That Instead of brushes, we went with brushless. It's actual cloth material that washes cars, and now it's morphed into a foam material. So um, technology's changed, and then we did a lot more to the cars then. Up until, even now, we still do the insides, but we kind of started the whole express model here in the, in the Baton Rouge area for the country, actually. And in 2000, we built the car wash, and, and we opened in 2001 on Perkins Road. It was really the first modern, what we call express wash in the country, where we had automatic pay stations that took your money with gates that opened up. And those gates actually stacked the cars so it knows what to go in the car wash. So people used to ask us all the time, when you have three cars, how do you know which one is getting what, which you paid for? Well, the gates keep you in order, and it tells the car wash what to do next. And then we had the free vacuums we came up with in 2001. We actually copied that from Germany. We went to Germany in 1996, Mom, Dad, and I, to visit some friends in Germany. And their labor situation was worse than ours at the time. And um, they had free vacuums. Hey, vacuum your car for free. And we kind of came up with that as well and brought that to the States. So we've changed over time. So we used to have at the Car Wash and Airline Highway in 1994, on a Saturday, we would probably have um, much as 80, 85 people working. We had three cashiers. We'd have people answering the phones. We were vacuuming your car out. We were drying your car <laughs> off. Today, um, you come to the car wash in Allen Highway, we'd probably have, you know, 15. 15? 15. 15 people working and, oh and, or maybe 20. So 
it, it, the, the business has changed and, and the automation has helped. You know, the computers have come out. Um, you know, we have variable frequency drives that control our motors that control the different speeds of them. We have, uh, like I said, photo eyes that measure the length of the car. We have pads that tell you how far the tires are apart. So we can control and turn things on and off. With that is good and bad. Um, my dad gets frustrated now if we have a lightning <laughs> strike or power goes out. And uh, 20 years ago, we would flip a switch and everything would come right back on. Now, if we have a power surge or lightning strike for some unforeseeable future, it could take an hour or so to start everything back up computer-wise and, and all these things. So it, it's, it's a different thing. And like our, our, we have me me mechanics that work with us and help maintain the locations. And um, 20 years ago, they were... A lot more. My dad used to love farmers. He said farmers were great mechanics. They could work on hydraulics, tractors, all of those things, diesel engines. Now, our maintenance in our IT department are becoming one of the same because uh, you have a, a frequency drive. It's a computer device that turns a motor on and off. Well, it's got an IP card in it with a Cat5 plugged into it, and we're monitoring that drive to see what it's doing, and we can control the speed and changes. So um, the business has gotten more complicated in some ways. Um, we're doing it with less people, but we've switched shift people to different areas. So 30 years ago, we would have um, maybe 85 people working on a Saturday, but, you know, we did our own maintenance then. We could fix those things. Now we have maybe 15 people running a car wash, and we have more people in maintenance and IT to help support things in different ways. So um, the people part of it is still the most important. It's still what we pride ourselves on with good people and still would um, – but it, it's just shifted to different ways, and, and technology has helped in that, but the, but the industry has changed. So, and how do you go about finding those good people? Well, that is the challenge. And um, it, today, it, it's, it's, um, it's a challenge. We, we have an HR staff, and we have uh, three recruiters, uh, three, three people that work in the different areas. One kind of works on the oil change. One focuses on the, the, the Be Quick stores, and one focuses on the car wash. And uh, they do a great job. They were working at a job fair at the LSU today. And um, we do a lot of things like other businesses are. We pay tuition reimbursement we um we have we still pay weekly which i think is a benefit you know people still like to get paid weekly and that we pay weekly we have pretty flexible schedules you know we we try to work so 30 years ago i keep bringing that up you would give somebody a schedule and from eight to five and they would work it and if they didn't miss you say hey why'd you miss and there was a lot of but nowadays when you're dealing with millennials and, and the gen the new generation workforce and staff um it's a different world. So you've got to learn to adapt to it. So we have to go real flexible schedules. We have to be able to work around things at school. Um, it's, it's a challenge. I, I, I really feel for the, for the people that we have scheduled in our locations. Now it is so difficult every day. And, and, and then the, with the pandemic that just brought on another thing. Now somebody calls them, says they're sick. Well, 30 years ago, we said, okay, you're sick or you have any fever? No, get to work. We, we'll figure it out from there. We, we have, we'll give you an aspirin yeah. or something. Well, nowadays, doesn't work that way. If they um, could possibly have the virus or something, you got to look at a whole different thing. So scheduling is a real challenge. And back to your question, finding finding those people. And, you know, we find that the manager of our locations is so important. And um, we, we spend a lot of time training our managers. We, we, we send them through Dale Carnegie classes. We do a, a lot of training to, to, to learn to work with folks. The HR has changed over the years, too. HR, you know, 30 years ago was about benefits and that kind of thing. Today, HR is you got to be a psychologist. You got to be um, a shoulder to cry on. You got to be able to work with a different thing. So I think we're very adaptable and uh, I think we're, we're fairly easy to work with. If you have a ball game to go to, hey, we try to figure out a way to make it happen. And um, we're adapting with times and, and trying to find those people still our most important asset is our folks. And we have some folks that have been there 35 plus years and, um, I, they, we, we treat them like family we're one big family we approach it that way and um i enjoy getting to know about their kids and i enjoy another thing too is around town um there's a, a local eye doctor in town he started working at the car wash years ago there's a ent in town there's architects there's I'm, speaking of pilots i know people who fly airplanes now for i'm amazed that they they started out working at the car wash and, and look where they've come and that's kind of our our, our ultimate goal and and we tell everybody look I hope one day that 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 you're you're on TV and you're worth a billion dollars. But while you're here, do a good job. Let's let's work together and and I tell everybody, don't ever burn any bridges. You know, do a good job while you're here. If you can go get a better job, I'm gonna support you. And I'm gonna be your your biggest fan. And we encourage folks to do that. And just do a good job while you're here. Let's work together. And we've had some people turn into great careers. And 
And um, I, I love hearing those kind of stories. That's great when I hear those. Yeah, and I think that's recognizing how you've got two options. This can be your short term, and we expect the best from you. Right. This can be a long term if you choose to, and we still expect the best from you, and we're going to help you every step of the way for it to be a long term. You said it, and you summed it up just perfectly. And um, I'll tell you, they have the SHRM organization, which is the Human Resource Group, and they had their meeting in New Orleans this year, and I went. We sent our folks, but I went this year just to look around, and it's amazed what companies are doing. I mean, the benefits they're, they're offering, they're offering pet insurance now and, and life insurance <laughs> for pets. And the, the biggest, the hottest thing now was was 24-hour psychologists where you can call in on your phone. Companies are offering, and we offer something similar to it. You can call in if you feel like you're depressed or need someone to talk to. You can call in and and uh, speak somebody on the phone. So the, the creativity and the benefits, it is a different workforce we're dealing with. It's a different time. Um, people have cell phones in their hands, and uh, I used to sign every paycheck, and I, I miss that in some ways. I used to write notes on people's paychecks, say, great job, thank you, and I miss signing them. Now everything is direct to positive. It's instant, and um, it's just amazing to see how even the human resource field has changed over the years. It's just it's just, it's amazing. So where we're going to be in 20 years now, I don't, I don't know, but treat people well, treat people with respect, treat them as family, and, and hopefully we everybody does the right thing that, They'll enjoy their time here, and if they stay here 40 years, we love it. If they stay here two years and go into bigger and better things, I'm just as proud of them. And the adaptability within your crew is also amazing. I've been to your <laughs> your Perkins location. I think you had the, the, the belt. Sure, we did. was down for a while. And the adaptability where you couldn't even really tell it was down because they were, they were having somebody constantly inch the car forward and forward and forward, and it was not like they weren't sitting there going, oh, my gosh, the belt's down. <laughs> you know, they were still doing their job every step of the way with the highest level of positivity. And it was impressive to see how even though something in the equation was off, they weren't letting it affect the end result. Hey, that, that is a great point. And I, may, I, I get amazed every day that uh, how we adapt. And adaptability is, is if that's one thing you, if anybody can learn, listen to this, is Nowadays, the, the speed of things moving, adaptability is, is your strongest axis. Anybody who can be able to adapt or a company who can adapt is, is going to have an advantage. And you, you set a perfect example. Um, we had some struggles during the pandemic getting parts, and even to this day, we still do. You know, um, Before the pandemic, you, you could call up and with FedEx and UPS and overnight, you could ship anything anywhere from in the world, and you could have it the next day, and you were great. Pandemic hit, and wow, this stuff wasn't as available. So yeah. we're keeping a lot more inventory. Uh, our oil changes, oil filters, all that stuff, we're keeping a lot more inventory. And you, the great example you said about the, the belt, yeah, we caught ourselves, wow, we're going to get these parts and these plastic pieces. They're not available right now. So we had to adapt to it, and we did. And, 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 and that kind of stuff, really, uh, I'm just amazed how that comes from our staff, you know, that they say, well, yeah, we can do this. We can make this work. And, and those are proud moments for anybody who's in business or working with anybody. Say, wow, what, what great ideas. So listen and lean on your staff. That's great advice. That's for sure. Yeah. And then reward them whenever they do well. I mean, I've seen y'all across social media <laughs> posting photos about people that went above and beyond and customers recognize that and reported back to y'all. So letting your staff know when you do well, we over, sure. we're going to reward you. We're going to make sure that you know how much we appreciate you. That goes miles with a crew, especially at 400 employees. It's hard to get individual with each one. But making sure that y'all do do that with going above and beyond saying, hey, we're recognizing this person because someone said you did a great job. It, you, you, you said it just perfect. And uh, we have a wow program, we called it. And when you do have a wow moment, like a manager, uh, we have so many examples of somebody changed a flat tire on the side of the road for a lady one day. He said that was a wow moment. And he, we, it's a certificate. We give him a certificate. We give him a pin. And at our company, Crawfish Bowl, every spring, we put everybody who got a wow reward in the hat we draw prizes for it so um yeah it, it's something simple as just reward them it's a little pin and, it, and and you know they feel pride in it and and it makes them feel good it makes me feel good and um recognition goes a long way and those stories on facebook always get the most likes and the most rewards and it's something i'm the most proud of we had a guy used to make hand guitars on the side and what a great story we we have um and we we've had several military members that have been through um 
a lot more difficult situations than I've ever put myself in. And, and I, I love telling those stories. And, and those are great. We have uh, one of the, our general managers now was in the Marine Corps band and for, he retired from the Marines and he has great stories of traveling all over the world, playing for dignitaries. So, um, when you really get to know people and take interest in them and, um, and that goes a long way. You know, people, they want, they want to believe that you, you care. And we do. And honestly, I love hearing those stories. So great point. Yeah. It's the amount that you care is a whole lot more than the 20 bucks you spend on a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's what it signifies and how it's represented to them. No, you, you, you're right on, right on target with those comments. That's for sure. So the, the unlimited club wash when did this kind of come into the play where you pay a set fee and you can have unlimited washes through at Benny's? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And um, there's been programs like that for years, you know, and I can tell you a little bit about it. We used to offer uh, the car wash book, we called it. You could buy five washes and you would get one free or buy four and get one free. It's changed over the time. And um, with our pay stations, we use the automated pay stations now. So when you drive up, you pay at this pay station, you, you credit a card or you, you insert cash. The, the coupons became more of a problem then. So I guess we've been doing about seven years now, the unlimited car wash program where you pay one price. And, you know, Netflix and so many different uh, companies have gone to the pay the, the, the subscription model. And we did as well. So you pay one price. You pull up to the station. We have RFID tag on your windshield. We read that tag. If you're a member of the club, you go right on through. And, and it, it's so it's, it did several things for us. It sped up the process. I think it's a little more convenient for the customer because they just drive up. They don't have to fool with their wallet or anything. So it's been, it's been a good thing overall. Now, there's some months when it was real sunshiny. We probably come out less on because they're washing a lot more, which that's great. Keep your car clean. That's even better. We want clean cars. It's good for the environment. It makes everybody feel better. And then there's some months when it's raining. You may not use as much, so that, that may, may come in our favor. So at the end of the year, I think it works out well. But Anything that adds convenience and speed and people in a hurry nowadays. Oh, yeah. And um, I tell everybody, I, I was standing at the car wash in Perkins today, and I, it's amazed how many people at noon have uh, a sandwich or a box of chicken on their lap with their cell phone in their hand texting while they're riding through the car wash. You know, they got three minutes. Done that. <laughs> <laughs> they have three minutes that they're going to go through that car wash and they're going to eat. They're going to have their cell phone, so they're checking. And some ladies are even putting lipstick on while they're doing it, touching up their makeup. So they're, they're multitasking. They, that's three minutes where they're going through. So people are in a hurry, and, and we want to be cheaper, faster, better. That's been our, our slogan for many years. And um, the Unlimited Club added to that. It, 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 it does make it faster. I think it makes it better. I think people like it. Administrative-wise for us, we do have a, a bigger staff to minister that things because, you know, credit cards expire and people want to make changes to their plans. So we had to add administrative staff to help help with that. So overall, it's been a good thing because it, it, it does it does um, it does make it better for the customer. And that's what we're all about. Yeah, it makes it better. And it also, again, that level of convenience where if I'm running late and I've got the kids screaming in the background. Sure. I can't I can't grab my wallet or whatnot. I can just pull right up and then go right on through. It makes it so much simpler. And I saw I was there one day with my wife. We were doing the the full package. They were cleaning the inside and whatnot. Sure. And we saw this guy. He just kept going around <laughs> and around. And it got to the point where my son started noticing him and every time he'd come by he'd wave at him. <laughs> and the guy came around I think I, don't, I think it was time number five or something. Rolled down his window and said, five's the max." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a funny story because last month I think I looked and uh, we had one customer go through fifty nine times in one month. My gosh! And um, you know he went through fifty nine times and he, I'm sure he's got a, the cleanest car around. And and I wash a lot, you know, because you know I want to check our quality and check checking things how work. So I wash a lot too. But he beat me 59 times. That, that's a lot of car wash. And, I mean, that's, a, and that's almost twice a day. That's Yeah, it is. And, and he, he's going through a lot, or, or she, whoever it yeah. is. So, so we, we do keep track on that. And, um, and now, you know, we, we've brought in the gas discount with it as well. So if you're a member of our unlimited plan, you uh, save substantially on gas now. You can enter your, your cell phone number at the pump if you're an unlimited plan, and the price just falls right then. So we, so we brought that into it. So... That's something we kind of come up with, uh, you, you know, an accent a little bit. You know, people with high gas prices back then, and um, you, you, gas prices is a real number. You know, people, they only have so much discretionary income to spend. If they're going to put gas in their tank or wash cars, you know, they're going to fill up their tank first. So we said, well, hey, how do we bring this? And we help folks, and we help people, and 
hey, we're on unlimited members. You can enter your cell phone number at the pump, and that price falls right then. And we've had great reviews on that, and, and it's been a great value for customers and, and like, and, and um, it's working out real well. So, yeah, there's some great value behind the whole unlimited program, and it's worked out well for us. Yeah, I've used the the gas pricing definitely helps <laughs> especially over the last i think what year or something like that when gas prices have just skyrocketed sure. it's been a nice little saver it, it is it'll pull up into your into your cell phone and then, and then roll right on through with a little lower rate it's very convenient it is and we have people make comments <laughs> about that too and there again we're part of the community somebody at one point i think it was costing people as much as a hundred dollars a week more to fill up with gas that, that's a lot of money and um whether they're going to eat at a restaurant one night or they're going to go in the store and, and buy a, a snack, they're going to put gas in their car first. They got to keep it going and they're going to put food on the table. And those are the main things. So that discretionary income, um, it's under real strain for people. You know, I do, I do feel for, for everyone. I see our own staff and I see myself included. You know, you look at your electric bills, you look, everything is, inflation's a real number and, and gas is a big part of that. So, Anyway, we can offer a little more value to, to our existing customers and, and leverage our, our unlimited plan. As we look for ways to do that, and and it's it's been a fairly successful thing. We'll we'll see. Like I said, there's there's maybe it hurt us sometimes when we were selling gas a lot cheaper than we we we, we needed to be. But you know, we we we, we want to help the community. It's one way we could give back, and it's been a, a great program. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, if you can get people within the club to then use the same gas, it's you become that one-stop shop. Correct. Correct. You know, it, but you become that centralized location where you can go, and if you've got a car, we can fit just about every need that you have. It can, and, and that's something we've tried to do. And people ask us why we don't have the Be Quicks everywhere, why we don't have – well, some of it, it, it's difficult to find property, um, like the one on Perkins Road. You know, we got several acres there. Well, it's getting difficult to find property. We can fit everything. So where we can find the property and find the real estate – um, we, we try to do it. And like I said, we, we treat each, each individual profit center separately, but when we can put them all together, it's a great combination. We do like the one-stop shopping that we do offer at some of our locations. And we're going to try to expand as much as we can, but finding real estate is difficult in, in the oh city gosh, of Baton Rouge yeah. and it's expensive. And, and there's so many challenges <clears throat> now. One location we just built and, um, you know, we, we, we bought, uh, the one on Lee drive. We bought, I think almost two acres. But when you add it up now, the, the, the usable property is so less, and we had 50-foot setbacks off the street. Um, they had six-foot sidewalks they required. You have so much green space. You have driveways you got to put in. Well, you're still paying per square foot a big number and, and, and a lot of regulation. And, hey, look, I want Baton Rouge Beautiful too as well. But, you know, businesses, that's all things you got to consider is, is, is how much real estate has to go that you really can't use and things like that. So those are all big factors nowadays. It's getting more and more. And, I tell a story about my grandfather. He said when he built the car wash here in 1953, he, uh, it cost him $10,000. Um, he didn't have a set of plans, and uh, he just built it, and he had an inspector come out one day and say, yeah, go ahead and open, and it was all done. Well, nowadays, $10,000 won't even cover the attorney fees to close on a piece of property, <laughs> much less the, the cost of building one. So uh, in, in a lot of ways, business has gotten more complicated, and it's more difficult to, to do these projects. And that's why it takes us so long. It takes us really almost two years from the time we find a location to the time we're ready to break ground to get it going. Just so many things, to, to so many hoops and things to jump through now, which, which makes it difficult. And it's an expense behind it. It's a very expensive thing to do now. And I don't think that is something that the everyday customer sees or understands. I agree with you. They, they don't, you know, they, they see future side of Benny's car wash. And they're like, oh, great, it's going to be open in two months. <laughs> then like eight months later, nine months later, ten months later, everybody's still saying, what, what is going on? Uh, Why can't they just, you know, pop up a building? Why can't, it's just a build, it's just a car wash. Yeah. You know, they think it's just a car wash, it's just vacuums, but the amount of uh, taking the infrastructure that is required for all the underground tunnels sure. and, and above ground tunnels that is involved with an automated car wash and a vacuum system. Taking all that aside, the paperwork oh. and the hassle of designing the plans, getting the architect approval, going back and forth with the landscape designs, going back and forth with the city on the permits. No, now you need a, an engineer to draw the drainage and make sure everything flows this way and that way, and you can't flood your neighbor. You have to have all designated draining. Everything sure. that goes into developing a plot of dirt is a lengthy process and a very expensive process it is. that you are burning cash 
It, it is. And people, and you, you said it, people don't realize what's developing anything that is. We, we announced last year, so we, 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 we have a piece of property in Baker and one in Zachary. Those two locations we'd like to get done in 23 this year. And boy, it is just difficult. I mean, you have civil engineers involved and, and detention ponds for drainage and you go, you go to the planning commission, then you go to the council. Then if you make any changes at all, then you got to go back through the whole process again. And, and then not to mention the supply chain and it is a real issue. And, and, uh, we, we like to have been open by now, but we're going to make sure we can order all our stuff that, because no sense in breaking ground. If you don't have everything and if you can't put it together, it's, it's like putting a rector set together or, or Legos. If you're missing some pieces, you know, you're sitting there with a building that's not finished with everything. So I would, anybody who's thinking about building anything nowadays to really do your homework, make sure you can get your supplies and get your, get your, and, and, and the budgeting nowadays is so difficult. The cost of materials is so high. And if you can get those, so you said it. It is a complicated process. Um, I'd love to have been open by now, but it just we're going to wait and get all our pieces together and everything in place, and we're still getting approvals and stuff. So it is a lengthy, expensive thing, and those are all soft costs that, that we call it. That 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 they're they're in there. So my advice to anybody fixing to start a business of any kind, and I encourage you to do your homework. One, uh, whatever how much money you need, add. Used to be ten percent. You better add thirty percent to it now. Easily. If you think you're going to be open in a year, you better add another six months to it. And um, you better really do your due diligence and uh, make sure you, you you can get a curb cut for the highway department. Make sure you have sewer. Make sure you have water that, that suffice for what you need. And and people just think, hey, there's a great-looking piece of property. Let's just go uh, build it there, and, and it just doesn't happen. Like the one on Segan Lane is a great example. There is no sewer system on Segan Lane. You would think a road like Segan Lane in the middle of Baton Rouge, there's no public sewer access. We had to go. There's no public sewer? Not there. There's not. We had to actually pump sewer to a pump station down the street that we had permission from. And some of the other business around us went in with us to do that. So when our section of Segan Lane, when they built that road, if you don't remember people from Baton Rouge, there was a little two-lane road there before, mm -hmm. and they built the bigger road next to it. They did not put public sewer back in there. And you have to think of all those things to get to. It's expensive, and it's not always easy to do. Uh, curb cuts are difficult. The TOTD is really limiting curb cuts. You know, our location on Florida Street had an entire open parking lot. You could pull in and out wherever you wanted. Well, that's not going to happen anymore nowadays. So working with the, the DOTD and the highway department and, and, and all of these the public agencies to make sure you can build what you want, um, you got to really do your due diligence. So, cause, um, it's expensive. So I, my advice, anybody starting out entrepreneur or anything, that's great things, but really have, have 30% more than you think it's going to be and add six months to whatever project length you think you have and make sure you have, um, all your ducks in a row before you begin, because it's, um, it's an expensive thing to do nowadays to open any kind of business. And you, the worst thing you want to do is, first of all, run out of money, or two, get along the process and not be able to complete it. And that's to make sure you have all the, everything in a row. And I think that goes back to being adaptable to changing times. Sure. You know, having this conversation two, three years ago would not be the same. You would have the, you maybe right. may have had the mentality of, oh, no, let's start order. The parts are going to come in. As we get in production, they're going to arrive just in time. It's going to be great. You're going to finish this. This part's going to be in. We're going to move, we're going to keep moving forward. Well, now, like you said, your whole mentality is no, no, no. We don't touch the dirt until everything is here. We get everything, everything is stateside. Here. Everything is in our possession. Then we start putting it all together because you could be waiting months for a small or what might seem unimportant part, and that's going to stop the entire operation from moving forward. Hey, that you, you, that's great advice. And, and credit card readers, for example, would, would, you know, a lot of that stuff comes from China and other areas. And our gas pumps, you know, we went through a whole what they call EMV upgrade about two years ago. There was a mandate that federal government, every gas pump or every really every credit card reader had to be EMV certified where, you know, you have a chip and pin. So nowadays everybody's credit card has a chip in it. Well, up until two years ago, you used what's called a magnetic reader. You would just swipe your magnetic card and it read a card off it. Well, for fraud reasons and other reasons that they mandated that you had to have the new readers in there. Boy, we had a difficult time trying to make sure our gas pumps were all up to, to code, which we were. And we ordered those pumps a year or so before, and the, the parts were late coming in, and then, then supply chain issues and the pandemic in China. You know, so getting we have multiple card readers on the shelf right now that I mean, we have 
enough to fix everyone, <laughs> every, every reader as we speak right now, if they go out, because um, you just can't depend on that anymore. And, and um, I think some of it's gotten better, but I still think we, we still could have a rough road ahead of us. It's still, the supply chain's still not back to where it was before COVID. And, and I think we, we, the, the way the world's going now, and every time you pick up the paper or, or, or watch anything on the internet, there's, there's a lot of things happening now in the world that, that, that one thing goes the wrong way could really change the supply chain again. I hope it does, and I hope things level out. But um, you got to really think ahead now and plan out. We actually hired a civil engineer uh, from LSU and we have a 3D printer. We're actually printing some of our own parts now. Um, we're looking at machining parts. In two or three years ago, it was much cheaper just to order it, and it showed up the next day. But now we're thinking that that long term that if we have to build our own stuff again, we used to build our own carburetor equipment years ago. If we have to go back to that, well, we're going to be able to do that and, and stay open and stay to be able to to, to provide service for our customers. We got to do what we got to do and adapt. The, the word, I guess, the word of this podcast is adapt. <laughs> and you're right on that. And it's. It's always too expensive to build it on your own until you have to close your doors and you're not bringing in money. <laughs> you're absolutely <laughs> when the right. revenue stops because you don't have what you need to open the doors, it then doesn't matter how much it costs. You just need the part. It, it, you're right, and 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 I tell you, and I really felt for a lot of businesses. Fortunately, during during the pandemic, we came through pretty well, but. You know, some of the restaurants and some of the hospitality industries, and I still go to restaurants now and say the oysters aren't available. And uh, we, we try to really shop locally. I'm, I'm a local guy. I go to all local restaurants, all local stores as much as we can because we're small businesses. And, and, and I hear the same stories. I mean, we, um, uh, the, the, in our stores even, we ran out of crackers, little salting crackers for a long time. We use a local supplier to, to supply us. And like, how can we not get crackers? You know, that was a, just he said we just can't get crackers we order them i mean just little things coca-cola even ran out of um certain products i mean bag in the boxes you know most fountain drinks people know there's a syrup bag in a box we call it bag in a box and it mixes with the water when it comes out we were out of some of those flavors that just really two years ago made us the whole or three years ago made the whole world you got to really think of no it's maybe not be available and uh, we got to really stay on top of that we try to and we try to stay ahead of the curve and and adaptability has the key word. Absolutely. So we were we were talking a little bit f- before about what's called pit cleaning. Sure. <laughs> so the, the the car wash cleans the cars, and we all as consumers just think everything goes away. Right. We we don't see it. We don't deal with it. It all just magically vanishes. The water is gone, drained, gone down a tube in the sewer, whatnot. But that's not what actually happens. No, it's not. So everything that comes off your vehicle goes somewhere. And for us, it goes into our pits, we call them. It's the dirt and water is collected. And um, then it goes into what we call reclaimed tanks. We have the ability to recycle our water if we need to. Some look, and we don't always because the cost is still not worth it. And just to go back just a step, car washing is so environmentally friendly. So if you wash your car in your driveway, a water hose running for 10 minutes is roughly 110 gallons of water you're using just for 10 minutes. Most people get Dawn dishwashing soap, squirt it in a bucket, get a rag, stick it in a bucket, and start rubbing their paint in their, their paint. Well, that dirt under that rag is just getting rubbed right into your paint. All that dirt is going down into the driveway, into the storm drain. It's not treated. It's not. We use all biodegradable soaps and solutions. All our water is going through a reclaimed system that it, it's an oil water separator. All the oil is separated out before we discharge. Um, many locations, we, we have water testing. We have environmental engineers test our water every quarter. We submit those results to the DEQ to make sure all our water levels are good. And then we use a lot less water. You know, on uh, the low side, we could use as little as about 50 gallons of vehicle. And we use as high as 90 gallons of vehicle to wash. Well, back to the water hose example, if you're running a hose in the driveway for 10 minutes, that's roughly 110 gallons of water for 10 minutes. So we nozzle everything down. We use nozzles instead of just open flowing like a water hose. So we, we can really control our water usage. We control our soap usage. We treat all our water before discharge, and it all ends up in this pit. So the dirt off your car ends up in there. We pay a company to, 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 to suck out our pits every quarter. They haul it off to a waste site, which um, we get a manifest form that's showing where they hauled it and all that stuff. But growing up, you talk about growing up with the pit dirt, and I remember many times in the pit cleaning, shoveling this dirt out of our pit to get rid of it. The dirt is not harmful, and we've had it tested. Uh, you can let it dry out. 
and uh, you can use it for anything, really. It's great dirt, but there's nothing like if you want to get a taste of what car washing is like, uh, the the unglorious side of it, just jump in a pit of a car wash one day and try to shovel the dirt out, and everything coming off your car has to go somewhere, and it goes right into that pit, and I've cleaned it with my own hands many times, and we do, and it's nice now we have companies that, that, that can do that for us and um, process it and, and dispose of it the, the proper ways, but... Uh, I tell you, it has a distinct smell, all the dirt <laughs> off everybody's car, and, and I do, I'll never forget it. I'll always remember it, and um, it's, uh, those are fun times. So how much, do y'all recycle the water, or do you just clean the water and then dispose of it? We clean it and dispose it. Okay. Um, we have the capability of recycling it. We put recycling tanks in, and we have filtering systems that do them. But for the most part, uh, Louisiana is pretty plentiful water, and it's still more cost-effective to... Um, buy fresh water than it is to recycle right now. We do have the capability, so we are using fresh water to wash with. And um, but we, if we ever have to go, and, and there's places in California, and we talk about, I have friends all over the world. I have friends in California where water's a real issue. You know, they um, they 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 can get down to as low as 30 gallons a car if they reclaim 100. percent You can't reclaim 100 percent because there's what we call carry out. So when you drive your car off the lot, you know, a back of a truck still has water in it, and that water is going down the road somewhere or it's dripping off the edge or something. So you can't get down to 100% reclaim usage, but we can get pretty close now. They have different reclaim systems that we could use, and they do use them in California. Always said that we ship uh, oil all over the world. We ship oil. We ought to ship water to, to Lake Mead. They ought to put a float switch in Lake Mead and in Las Vegas, and when it gets low, let's pump this water out the Mississippi River and let's sell it to... <laughs> California and the rest of these guys because uh, water is going to be an issue in, in the future and uh in Louisiana is so blessed with so many natural resources and we we, we we have so many great things in the state and water is so valuable in the Mississippi River and all of the plentiful water and the resources with the timber and the oil and natural gas we, we're very blessed to be in the state we are and and uh, let's let's see if we can move our, our ranking for people staying here and for business climate up the ladder and that, that'd be great. Cause we do have, we're blessed resources where a lot of people aren't and, and that we're thankful to have that. Yeah. And I think it's one of those unspoken things of in Baton Rouge and Louisiana, there are a plethora of resources available to anyone and everyone, regardless of what industry you're in. Oh, it, it is. And, um, you know, just, uh, to, to pe- people know the story, the, the, the barrel of oil is so, efficiently used and then um we sell gasoline and run a lot of gas guys but you know x they don't waste a drop of anything you know they every you know they they, they take a barrel of oil and they split it out and they have asphalt and tar come off the bottom and they make gasoline then they have benzene and they have propylene and plastics and and then we have pipelines all throughout the state of louisiana that send byproducts to one plant and one plant uses another and that that stuff fascinates me and and, and i have several friends that work in the chemical industry and of course, the refinery here at Exxon, and it's just amazing how efficient they are using a barrel of oil, and Louisiana has it. We have those resources, and they use water to, to, to cool their towers and cool things, and it's just we have all of that right here in our state, and we got to just do a better job telling the story. we got to fix our infrastructure and fix our education system and other things, and we have, but we have all the basis to, to be even a better state than we are, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one day. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up the show we have a set list of questions we like to ask everybody sure. what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today what is something as a kid wish you could still do today wow that's a tough question <laughs> you, you know I, I that i don't know um I, I i had a wonderful childhood i had two great parents and fortunately they're still around today i still get to, to spend time with them i i guess as a kid i you know i wish i could just Sometimes wake up on Saturday morning, turn on Saturday morning cartoons, and uh, just worry about what I'm going to do that day. As you get older, and like I'm, I'm in my 50s now, and I just seem like you never get that where you can just wake up and not have to worry about anything because I'm a natural worrier, and I wake up and, and uh, start worrying about our staff, start worrying about our businesses, worrying about our families. And, and I guess as a kid, that, that I have a distinct... I'm sure maybe you did too. You wake up on Saturday morning, you turn on Sunday Saturday morning cartoons and watch Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny go running around. And <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like there wasn't a care in the world. You just, um, so I guess I do miss that a little bit. Missing uh, playing for the day, 
not the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. So we, you talked a little bit about it earlier, but what are three lessons you have learned along the way? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And um, the, the, really, the things they don't teach in school, what I said earlier, is, and everybody says treat people well. That, they're, that You cannot underestimate that, how well treating people just goes so long, whether it's staff, whether it's employees, whether it's your neighbors. You know, if everybody really treated, just treated, that's so important to treat people well. And uh, I think about it every day. And I try to go home at night, like I said earlier. I want to go home at night and say, you know what? What I did today, I'm leaving Baton Rouge a little bit better than I was when I started the day. So I say, when you go to bed at night, just tell yourself, did I leave this world or this state or this city better than when I woke up this morning? And that's something I try to do. And, you know, and I really feel for a politician sometime and other people and people in high positions you know, I think for the most part, people want to do the right thing. And sometimes you don't get it right every day. There, there's probably some times I've made mistakes. You know, maybe um, something didn't turn out. The, but in my heart, I try to go to bed at night every night and, and thank the Lord to give me the wisdom to, to leave this place a little bit better than when I started today. That, that's one thing. Two, the things they don't teach in business, like we talked about budgeting a little bit. I think um, – People talk about these nice family, these nice plans that you come. These business plans, you know. When we were, I was at LSU in business, and you were too. And you do a great business plan. You think of everything. This, that. There's so many unknowns that you don't consider um, when you go, go open a business. So I advise people to really do their homework, plan, budget a little more than you think you need. Um, the other thing is borrowing money. You know, most people like ourselves, when you go to the bank, you you want to borrow as little as you can. I think that's wrong. I think you need to bar for contingencies because the worst thing you can do is to run out and not be able to finish your project. So I, I think that's an important lesson that, that they don't teach often in business school is, is leave you some wiggle room there because adaptability is, an, is, is the thing and, and you just don't know what's going to come up. Um, we bought a piece of land that had a building on it that uh, we were tearing down to build a, build a location. It had asbestos in it. Well, you got to remove asbestos. You got to, that's not cheap. And, and something, some, you may not have budget for it in your business plan, but it's something that has to be dealt with. So that, that's two. And I guess the third thing, um, you know, really in, try to enjoy what you do. We've heard it all heard the saying many times is if you, if you enjoy what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Well, the, the, there is some days that are more difficult than others. But for the most part, I truly enjoy getting up every day and spending time with my dad, my family, and then spending time with our work family. You know, I, I enjoy going to work every day and, 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 and listening to the, the stories of our customers, listening to the stories of, of, our, of our, our staff, and um, really and try to enjoy what you're doing. Because if, if you do, then that, I think um, life goes a little bit better that way. It really does. Absolutely. Especially when you bring your family into it and everybody can have a sure. good a good time and people figuring out their strengths and weaknesses and work in different elements of the business. And it kind of makes this whole, whole cohesive scene. It's great. It does. And, and like I said, I get to work with my brother and my dad every day and, and, and not every family business is smooth. You know, there, there's books and there's many stories of families not getting along. And fortunately we found a way to work through it. And we look, we have good days and bad days. Some days we don't always agree, but at the end of the day, um, my dad still says, look, we're family at the end of the day, and whether that's a staff member or, or, or blood family, we're going to make this work, and we're not going to give up on each other. We're going to work through the difficult times together, and and um, and, and that's a good point. You know, think try to we always hear put your people put yourself in other people's shoes. I mean, we have um, staff members that some people go on hard times. You know, you could be caring for a sick child. You know, you could be caring for a sick relative. And, and people say, don't bring your personal life to work. That, that's just not, personal things matter. And when they come to work, if, if I can help them with a personal issue, we've done, we've, we've, we've sent our staff to go move somebody into apartments before when it's a slow day. We, we've, we had a, a while back, a, somebody works with us, had their grandmother passed away and wanted to use some of our fans, and we brought them over. The, you know, if you can help solve someone's personal issue, um, work's going to be better. So um, keep that in mind. Put yourself in other people's shoes. The world's not perfect, and, and we're going to make it better. And, and those, those little issues do matter. They really do. Oh, yeah. And they, what is it, they say they don't, um, 
they don't realize how much you care until you like you show them or something like right. that. Whatever that 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 saying is. Um, so, okay, so what do you love about Baton Rouge? You know, that's a, that's another great question. And I told my kids they can go anywhere they want to college, and uh, one have one go to LSU and one go to Tulane. And but you have to come back and fix, you cannot leave this state. And and it breaks my heart because my son's. Um, he graduated from Catholic High as well, and, and, and my daughter went to St. Joseph's, and he had 10 friends that went to Louisiana Tech, and all of them ended up in Dallas or somewhere. And I think one of them just came back. So that, that breaks my heart because, you know, the people in Baton Rouge and the food, and I, I have traveled all over the world. I've, I've been fortunate enough. I've been to Cuba. I've been to Russia. I've been to every state just about in the Union, and, and the people in Louisiana and Baton Rouge, when you go to an LSU game, this weekend was a great example, you know, the Southern LSU game. And, you, you know, we're one community. We help each other. We care. And you look at 2016 when we had floodwaters and no one was not, no one was untouched with the flood. You may not have water in your house, but it affected somebody you knew. It affected our whole community. And when you see the people come out and just help each other like they do, that, that, that touches me. It really does. So, I love the people here. I love where we live. I love the food. And I want to make this place better. And I, I, I am tired of seeing people leave to go to Houston or go to, to Dallas or Atlanta. And, and uh, I, I do enjoy reading history books. And if you look at back in the early turn of the 19, 1900s, you know, New Orleans was the jewel of the South. And um, it was bigger than Atlanta. It was bigger than it was. They, the Cotton Exchange was there. And, and, um, you know, somewhere where we went, we went awry, but, in, you know, Delta Airlines started in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, we have so many great stories like that. We're going to fix this state. I'm con- we are committed as a family to staying here with our kids, and, and, and we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna make this place better. And, and I love Baton Rouge, and, and, and I hope uh, we can stay here for many years to come. Absolutely, and I'm going to do whatever I can to <laughs> keep all that happening here in Baton Rouge and keeping people here and everything of that nature. So for the final question, what can I do to help you? You know, that's a great question. And, um, you know, first of all, thanks. Anybody listening to this, uh, if they're a customer of ours, existing, previous, future, thank you. Really thank you. And we um, and uh, support local businesses, I think, is a great thing. And, and I know we do that. And because and, and behind that local business, there is somebody that, that's had a, a sleepless night or a, a worry or um, a staff member not show up and, and have some patience. So, you know, I think what you're doing now is great that this, this, this podcast and, and promoting Baton Rouge and promoting businesses and from Louisiana and the area, I think is fantastic. So you, you're doing your part. Thank you. And, and, and thanks to everybody listening who, who supported our, our, uh, one of our locations. And for all these years, we look forward to many more years to come. And we were, we're one of the few locally owned car washes left. There's only a handful left. Most of them have sold out to private equities into this, entered this space. And we're still here and, we're committed to being here, and um, we're investing in our community, and and uh, that's that's what we're all about. And thank you for, for for doing what you're doing. Absolutely, thanks for coming on the show. And it's through family-owned businesses that keep those private equity out of the picture. I, so I, long I, as there's another generation to take it over, it's another another set of people to keep running the show. I, hey, hey, you said it. I, I agree with you. I love it. I love the business. I love the the businesses in Baton Rouge and our state, and. I want to see it grow, and I want to see it be here. I want to see our state thrive for many, many years, and I'm excited. I really am. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you uh, adapting to the calendar, <laughs> so to speak. So thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, and thank you, everybody else, whether you are listening or watching the show. I appreciate it. I know the guests do as well. If you're in the Baton Rouge area and you – Maybe you want to go check out a new car wash, or maybe your car's looking a little dirty. Go over there to Benny's, tell them that Patty G Show sent you, and they're going to take good care of you. And if not, they're going to take good care of you regardless. So thank them so very much for coming on. Thank you all for making this show possible. And also a big thank you to the amazing sponsors that bring this show to you each and every week. Hear a little bit more about them right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $3.99 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate. 
reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left. But the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you are looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values, relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e-statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, they are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, Signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you.